So, so man, I, I've had the weirdest stuff happen to me over the last week. Really? With crap going missing. Like, I'll put it where it goes or where I need it to be, mm-hmm. and I'll go back. Sometimes just a few minutes later, and it's like, it's gone. Really? And, it, you know, sometimes an hour or two later, it's back. Sometimes it's a few days. Like, like sure, I was looking for a shirt the other day. Couldn't find it anywhere. Knew where it was supposed to be. Knew where I had put it last. Right. Gone. Like, four days later, it's where it's supposed to be. Wow. So, I, I mean, I, I had something on the kitchen counter the other day, and I come back to get it, and it's gone. I mean, it's probably, it's probably been four or five times. That's crazy. I, either I'm losing my mind, or or somebody in my house is screwing me with me. But, yeah. but, I mean, it's so weird that it just happened, just bam, 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 bam. Yeah, I've never had it happen that often. Like, occasionally, but... It's happening too often for me to just go, oh, I'm an idiot. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> Well, let's hope you don't have a poltergeist or a fairy or something oh, yeah. in your house. Yeah, or or a something like a ferret. Right, yeah. Taking all my stuff. A fairy ferret. Yeah. All right, so you ready to do this, Matt? Yeah, let's do this. All right, three, two. everybody and welcome to the graveyard thank you for joining us tonight my name is adam and my name's matt now pull up a tombstone or settle into your casket and get comfortable because this is graveyard tales (laughs) all right matt how you doing tonight hey i'm good glad to be back yeah me too it's been a Good, I guess. Uh, long little break we had. Yeah. Um, seems longer than it was, but thank you guys for waiting on us and for coming back and checking out this episode. And we hope all of our U.S. listeners had a good Labor Day. Um, we're glad to be getting back into the swing of things here. Yep. As, hey, how was your holiday? Oh, it's pretty good. Pretty good. Didn't do a whole lot. Kind of just hanging out, which is good. I were. You know. Yeah. I, I I certainly didn't. <laughs> I work all the holidays. Yeah, you do. That's I celebrate Labor Day by laboring. There you go. <laughs> and they call it Labor Day for a reason. But we wanted to tell you guys, go over to graveyardpodcast.com, and there you can buy tickets for our live event that's coming up in October. Um, you can also see our faces, and we're going to start adding some new stuff to the website. So keep checking back and checking in for that stuff. Um, Also, on the new stuff topic, we're going to start adding more episodes to our Patreon. Um, We've been a little lax in getting those up there, so we apologize for that, but we're going to make an effort to get quite a few more out there for you guys to listen to, just as a thank you. We Yeah, we had promised them some more stuff, Mm -hmm. and we're going to deliver. Yeah, it's been been a busy (laughs) summer. Yeah, it Um, has. But we're we're definitely going to get some more stuff out there for all of our patrons because we really appreciate you guys. Um, on the appreciation note, I wanted to say a quick thank you to Sarah and Kieran for helping with some pronunciations on this uh, episode that we got coming up. And also, I wanted to say a big thank you to Shade from the Mensrea podcast for helping with 
pronunciations and definitions and everything because Gaelic is not easy. Um, <laughs> Too many consonants. Yeah, I have trouble with English and I speak it on a daily basis. <laughs> you all know that. Um, I get tongue tied saying like the and and. Yeah. Um, so I really needed some help with that. So uh, if you don't listen to the Mensrea podcast, go over, give uh, Shade a listen and check it out. I think you'll really like it. Now, let's take a quick break before we get into the episode. Are you afraid of what goes bump in the night? Have you or your friends ever pondered a conspiracy? Do you want to know more about the unknown? If so, then put on your tinfoil hat, sit down, and pick up your computer, tablet, or phone. Go to iTunes or YouTube and search for Secret Transmission Podcast and listen to us try to explain the unexplainable. Follow us on Twitter for updates on shows. At Secret Trans Pod. That's S-E-C-R-E-T-T-R-A-N-S-P-O-D. Or you can email us suggestions. At Secret Transmission at Hotmail.com. That's S-E-C-R-E-T-T-R-A-N-S-M-I-S-S-I-O-N at Hotmail.com. All right, Matt. So we're back now. Uh, what are we talking about tonight? Okay, tonight we're going to be talking about the old Irish folklore legend of the Banshee. Ooh, the Banshee. And we had teased at this before that there, we had not really found any shows that had talked about Banshees, and that that's the case. I mean, there's a lot of really great folklore um, behind the legend of the Banshee, mm-hmm. um, and all of it seems to originate, you know, in Ireland and Scotland. Right. So we're we're going to be giving you some history about the Banshee, what it is, and some interesting uh, things about how uh, how Banshees attach themselves to families. Some things that, that Adam and I got into that I I had never heard of before. So. Yeah, it was new to me. So, so it's pretty cool. So um, so let's jump in. So if you've not ever heard this term, and and most people have, I mean, you know, you've heard. They scream like a banshee. Right. But you may not necessarily know what a banshee is. It was a good band. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> it's a it's a cool word. I mean, you know, there's motorcycles or, you know, there's banshee motorcycles mm-hmm. and you'll you'll find uh, a lot of stuff that uses the word. But you may not you may have seen it, heard it, but you may not know exactly what it is. If so. you Google search legend and banshee, you get a, a like a BMX type bike. Yeah. So. <laughs> Yeah, so I mean, you know, yeah. Why don't you see stuff called like, you know, the Sasquatch? I mean, we get like beef jerky, right? You know, that's called that, and Yeti you know? coolers that are way overpriced. <laughs> but but <laughs> what? I don't know what they have to do with it. I, I don't know. Oh, they don't keep know. stuff cold, you know. I guess. Maybe. Yeah, I guess they need like Sasquatch underwear. Like you know, you've got all these <laughs> underwear companies and the Squatch underwear, you know, Squatch. squatting in your squatches, you know. <laughs> Those are not going to be the underwear you get for Christmas. I can tell you that. <laughs> so, uh, so anyway, so what? What exactly is a banshee? So, a, a banshee is a female spirit, typically who lives by a river. They usually have the appearance of an old hag, but they're capable of making themselves look as young and as beautiful as they choose. Now, the banshee is seen as the omen of death. Um. And this is centered around specific uh, ancient Irish families. 
such as the Fitzgeralds, the O'Neills, the O'Connors, and the O'Grady's. In Ireland and Scotland, it is traditional for women to wail or keen at funerals. So if you hear the keen of the banshee, she is alerting you that death is nearby. And we're going to talk more about the keeners and what their role was in this legend. So according to the legend, there were six noteworthy families of Ireland. The O'Neills, the O'Donnells, the O'Connors, the O'Learys, the O'Tools. There had to be O'Tools in there. And the O'Connors. Now, each, each of these families had a female spirit who would act as the harbinger of death. They would have foresight and would appear right before death weeping. Okay, so it's believed that the Banshee sang such a sad song because she was a friend to these families. So there's there's an idea that it could be the spirit of a lost member of the family that is attached and and gives the warning of, of impending death. Now, sometimes Banshees will perch on a windowsill like a bird, and they'll remain for hours, even days, until death comes. And often, the Banshee will escape into the darkness. And witnesses have described a, blur, a, bird, a bird fluttering sound. Boy, I almost flubbed that one. <laughs> so there's a lot that believe that the Banshee is a bird-like creature. And the Banshee can also be heard like woods, rivers, rock formations. And in, in Waterford... Monaghan and Carlo, there are these wedge-shaped rocks that are actually called banshee chairs. And so these are the areas where, where the, the legends place these female spirits. So, um, so where did this legend come from? Um, it's, it's folklore, it's mythology, it's just, it's a lot of stories handed down around uh, Ireland and Scotland. Um, but there is a connection to fairies uh, for banshees. And so a lot of the legends are, are steeped in, in fairy legends and, you know, leprechauns and things like that also are, are part of Irish folklore. So, you know, the, the Irish folklore and legends are, they are ripe with this kind of stuff. Right. And you were talking about the fairies. Um, Banshee is roughly translated to fairy woman in Gaelic. And as Matt was saying, they, you know, they're known, they're a known female spirit who wails outside of houses. And these stories have been passed down through generations for centuries. Um, and there was one of the first, not the first, but one of the first descriptions of a banshee was in wb yates book called fairy and folklore of the irish peasantry and he says the fairy mistress seeks the love of mortals if they refuse she must be their slave if they consent they are hers and can only escape by finding another to take their place the fairy lives on their life and they waste away death is no escape for her she is the gaelic muse for she gives inspiration to those she persecutes. The Gaelic poet dies young, for she is restless and will not let them remain long on earth. The malignant phantom. You know, many different 
theories on what a banshee really is. But like uh, Matt was saying, it's, you know, there, there's a lot of folklore and everything that surrounds the banshee. But what we found is that the legends of the banshee really are a lot more fantastical than where her legend came from. Right. Um, and we'll talk a little bit here about what Matt was saying about Keener's. Um, in medieval times, during funerals, a woman would take on the role of Keener. And Keener sang songs called Queenu, which is the Irish word for crying at the graveside. There was good business to be made as a Keener, and families would pay very well for talented Keeners. The best-known ones always attended the funerals of the biggest and most well-known people and were much sought after as more people mourning at the funeral. The greater the person was said to be, the the better the keener they wanted. So for most powerful families, it was common belief that a banshida or fairy woman would come to keen at the grave. And fairies presumably were more talented singers than humans. Now, this Irish phrase banshida was actually anglicized to what we now know as banshee. And that Banshita is one of the things I had to have Shade help me with. I was going to say, you did that awfully well. Thank you. <laughs> I, and that was with practice and with help. I, I read that word about three dozen times, and I was like, how do you say this? Yeah, well, it, <laughs> You cheated and got help. It, I did. It looks like Bean Sidhi is the way it's <laughs> written. Uh, the fact that Keeners were paid in alcohol and often ended up as elderly alcoholic women that were banished from towns and villages kind of added to this myth. Yeah, the church didn't like that no, too much. No, they really didn't. Um, so that that kind of helped push along this myth of a fairy woman who takes the souls. Now, the first known written record of a banshee was in a story uh, by Sean McCraiths. Now, here's another one that I needed help with. It's the Karem Torjelvi which is actually the triumph. I'm glad he said that, not me. <laughs> which actually means the triumphs of Turlow. So it was, um, you know, it was a story about a guy um, and all of his triumphs and, and everything like you would have from a lot of these older civilizations. They wrote books about heroes. And this is kind of similar to one of those. And in that, was actually the very first written record of a banshee. Now, Matt mentioned that they cry, that they wail. Um, there's actually a lot of debate over what her cry actually sounds like. Um, in Leinster, in Ireland, it's said to be so shrill that it shatters glass. But further north in Tyrone, she sounds more like two boards being struck together. And in Kerry, it's said to be a low, pleasant singing. So there's not not a whole lot of people that can agree on what she sounds like. Right. And I, I saw a video this week unrelated to the research that we were doing. Someone had posted a video of two bobcats, or they were mm -hmm. they were lynx, which bobcat is a lynx, yeah. but... Um, just, I I don't know what they were doing, really. 
it was obviously like a territorial dispute and they were growling, howling at one another. Mm -hmm. And when you listen to it, it sounds like a human voice. Yeah. I mean, it really does. Sounds like a woman screaming. But you, yeah, you, you get the, you know, where, where bobcats and lynx are found, they're everywhere. Yeah. I mean, if you've got mountainous area, wooded area, anything, there's a good chance that you're going to find bobcats in there. And, you know, that explains a lot about, you know, Sasquatch howls, you know, that story of I heard a woman screaming in the woods Mm -hmm, or mm -hmm. even banshees, you know, because when you hear that, I mean, you're like, they're not making this noise. That's a person. Right, right. They've just dubbed it over these two big cats. No, I mean, that's what these things sound like. But, you know, foxes also make a, a really wailing type howl mm-hmm. you know so it was interesting to hear that because that's not something that you normally catch right and, and for them to catch a video of it yeah and like you said if you don't know what what that is and most people wouldn't then your mind's going to race to anything and, mm-hmm. and most likely it's going to be something paranormal and if you've that's heard right. stories of a banshee already or a banshita already then I'm just going to use that now because I know how to pronounce it. Um, I feel <laughs> I feel smart. I am superior. Um, but if you've heard these stories and then you hear a bobcat like that start wailing, then that's obviously what your brain is going to go to. Yeah, absolutely. Especially if you have Irish heritage. Sure. You've heard these stories probably more than most people. Sure. So it's just. It's kind of like growing up with Bigfoot stories in the U.S. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's just part of it. You know, you hear these stories as a child. Right. So uh, Matt was talking about the families that that had banshees associated with them. And and Matt's got some cool stories on those here in a minute that I thought were really, really, really interesting. So I'm I can't wait for him to get into those because I, I want to hear him again. Um, but the alleged incidents with banshees, there were some that were she would cry for someone who was in perfect health, but that person was then found dead within a week from some freak accident. Now, most of these visits were paid at night, but there's a few that would take place around noon. Um, but these families that Matt talked about, the, the ones that had an O or a Mac at the start of their name, so the ones he mentioned, like O'Neills, O'Brien, O'Connor, O'Grady, and even the Kavanaugh's, um, there's a couple contradictory reasons as to why the Banshee followed these families. Um, some believe that she did so, you know, just to bring misery on them with her incessant wailing, and others believe that she was a friend of the family who was utterly distraught at their having lost someone they loved. As well as warning families of upcoming death, the Banshee also liked to cry at the crowning of a true king, supposedly. Um, there was one case of this happening uh, at the crowning of the legendary Brian Boru, who was overthrew the O'Neills and began the O'Brien dynasty. There was one other that she had in 1801. The Banshees paid a visit to the commander-in-chief of the British forces in Ireland, He had attended a party at Dublin Castle and invited a few guests back to his home in Mount Kennedy, Colorado. These guests were Sir Jonah Barrington and his wife, and they woke up at 2.30 a.m. to what he described as a plaintive sound. 
coming from outside the window. His wife and a maid were also awoken by it, and the sound later turned into the name Rossmore being screeched three times. The next morning, they were told that a servant, having heard odd sounds from Rossmore's room at 2.30 a.m., entered to find him dying. Mm. So there, there's a lot of weird stuff on these families. And like I said, Matt's got some cool stories um, in a minute. Looking into to why these uh, these families seem to be, uh, I don't know if the word, it's it's not not haunted. Plagued. But plagued, that's probably a good word, um, with the banshee. You know, you got to understand that in the Middle Ages in Ireland, the the idea of these creatures was not speculatory. It was fact. Right. They they were believed to exist and these things happened so frequently that it, it was just a way of life. Now who and what and why banshees existed has a little bit of controversy, but one idea was that there were sin and consequences related to the existence of a banshee. Mm-hmm. So if a person lived a very selfish, decadent life or they committed cruel acts, it was believed that their soul would remain close to the earth, suffering in penitence. Uh, penitence. Penance. <laughs> it's same thing. I don't want I don't want to hear it. <laughs> For all intensive purposes. <laughs> <laughs> so there you go. <laughs> I got a, I got a few. I'm going to start throwing those in and see if everybody can catch them. Yeah, you so. should. <laughs> <laughs> so specifically in the next physical year. No. Uh, so, so the Banshee would always be there to make certain that this punishment was carried out. So, you, you know, you've got a person in a family and they – they lived this this really, you know, sinful life. Mm-hmm. You know, the banshee associated with that family would ensure that their spirit stayed close to the earth and that they they were punished. Right. Okay. So on the other uh on the other side of that coin though, if a person lived a life filled with kindness and selflessness and good deeds, their soul would dwell in peace and happiness. So although they were still tied to the earth, their soul would be contented, and the banshee would ensure that. So, maybe not, maybe not a creature that was tormenting a family, but there is more of an overseer, right? You know, for their crossing into the next life, right? So, it was, it behooved you to live a good life. Um, because the banshee would ensure that your afterlife was appropriate for your life. Right. So if you were an evil person, the banshee was going to ensure that you lived this horrible, tortured existence with your spirit trapped close to the earth. Right. But if you were a good person, she was going to make sure that you were comforted and had this peaceful afterlife, you know, while your spirit was on earth. Right. And there's several um, throughout history and mythology, there's several cultures that have something similar to that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, especially 
cultures that believe in reincarnation, Mm -hmm. you know, that your spirit not tied to the earth, but tied to, you know, another person or an animal. Right. And so based on your life, this was your, your next life, Mm -hmm. you know, if you lived a really good life, you, you might be reincarnated as a sacred animal. Right. If you were a pretty crappy person, you you might be a cockroach. Right. You know, you're, you're now an earthworm. <laughs> That's right. A dung beetle. Um, but the idea is that a banshee would attach herself to a specific family. Now, each banshee would have her own moral family. And they said the Lady of Sorrow would attend funerals and wakes of the beloved dead, although sometimes um, in the dark of night during the vigil, her voice would bleed in with the sound of the mourners. And so some of these Irish families would eventually immigrate to the U.S. and they would bring their legends of banshees, you know, to North America. Mm -hmm. The North American stories of the banshee are more of a ghost. Right. You know, and and less of an actual creature. Mm-hmm. With that, the Irish folklore makes it more of of a of a physical embodiment. You know that this not necessarily a person, but a, a mythical creature. Right. You know, like I said, they were they were tied in with fairies. So, you know, fairies weren't ghosts. I mean, they were a, they a were their physical, own thing. Yeah, right. they were a physical being. Right. So you're talking about all the different things that it has been seen as get into that a little bit the according to legend uh, the banshee can take these many forms and we've got a list here of the the most common ones but there's a whole lot of them um one of them and this is probably the one that matt and i and you can tell me if i'm wrong matt but that when you think of a banshee you think of um it's an old woman dressed in black with long gray hair and covering her face with a veil um, that's the one that I kind of, mm-hmm. you know, it, I guess it's a mesh of that one and another one, but you, that's what you picture is kind of an old haggard woman, um, covered with a veil. Mm-hmm. There's a, a, another one is an old woman with long hair, red eyes, and dressed in a green dress. Um, a deathly pale woman with long red hair, who's dressed in a white dress that sometimes wears a shroud. Um, a beautiful woman wearing a shroud, a beautiful woman with silver white hair, wearing a long shimmering silver dress, carrying or using a silver comb. And then probably Matt and I's favorite, a headless woman naked from the waist up, carrying a bowl of blood. <laughs> yeah, that's my favorite. <laughs> yeah, I knew it would be. Just because it's so bizarre. Right. I mean, you go from all of these other you know, it's a elderly woman, you know, veiled, all this. And then out of the blue, you've got a headless naked woman carrying blood. <laughs> you know, sounds like a good haunted house creature. I'm yeah, telling you. I think that's just that was just some dude yeah. wishing that that was the case. But among those forms, banshees were also thought to be able to appear in animal form. Mm-hmm. And the most common would be a weasel. Or a stoat, which if you don't know what a stoat is, it's kind of like a weasel. Right. Um, a hare or a hooded crow. Which I didn't know crows wore hoods. But the, if I saw one, I'd be like, whoa, look at that crow with the, the hood on. The cool ones do. The cool 
ones do. <laughs> so, um, so animals, certain animals were associated with uh, impending death. Right. And so if you, and those animals were also associated with witchcraft in Ireland. Mm-hmm. So if you, if you happen to see a weasel, um, you could, uh, you could start making inferences that one of your family members was close to death. Right. Or, or if, uh, if you had a family member that was dying, you know, a crow might appear or, a, a you know, a, a murder of crows right. would appear out in the, in the yard around the house. So that was not a, an uncommon thing to believe that the crow was just the manifestation of the banshee. Right. And the the crow seen in a lot of cultures as a harbinger of death or, mm-hmm. or evil, you know, and, and even to this day in you, you watch horror movies, there's always a crow, you know, that comes prior to, or, you know, is seen along with the monster or the entity of some sort. Yeah. And one of the descriptions of the Banshee was um, a washwoman, mm-hmm. you know, uh, laundering clothes. And that ties in with the Irish Morrigan, which is the the Irish version of the Valkyrie, which was the spirit that would carry the, the spirit of, of dead, dying warriors from the battlefield. Mm-hmm. And so um, the stories would say... These wounded, dying soldiers on the battlefield, you could see this old, old woman covered in blood washing clothes. And that was the indicator that this warrior was was dying. Right. Not dead, but in the process of dying. And she was bringing him across. Mm-hmm. So um, just a, a lot of, of stories around death, which... Even today, what happens when you die is unknown. Right. I mean, we we don't know. We have a lot of stories of people that have had, uh, you know, near death or, or say they have died and then they were brought back. Mm-hmm. But that's really all we have because we, we can't tell. We don't know. And because of that unknown, especially centuries ago, there were a lot of stories that came out to try to explain what was happening Mm -hmm. and certain things that did occur that were misunderstood would be associated with a specific event. And so like Adam said, the crow, you know, the washwoman or the Morrigan, the Banshee, you know, were all indicators of death, which was, not well understood. Right. So let's get into um, a little bit about these families that we've been hinting at. So the families or clans of Ireland were, for the most part, the governing class. I mean, they, they, they were the landowners. They were, you know, the wealthy. You know, they had... Um, they had constant struggles between each family over who who owned what and who controlled what areas and leading to, to many battles and, and, you know, even full-on wars between families that would last for years and years and years to determine, 
you know, who governed this area and that area. So with all of that history, the Banshee would be the indicator that there was going to be a death in one of these well-known Irish clans. And so one of those, um, one of those families were the O'Neills. And they were one of the, the most well-to-do and, and well-known families uh, in Ireland. And so where they lived was known as Shane's Castle. And Shane's Castle was a commanding presence for centuries. And it was originally known as Eden Duff Carrick. And the castle was uh, reinstated to the O'Neill clan by King James in 1607. So these stories date back, you know, hundreds of years. So although the O'Neills had many castles, Eden Duff Carrick contained a stone carving of a head inset into one of the tower walls known as the Black Head of the O'Neills, or the Black Brow on the Rock. And it's thought that this stone carving predates the castle by some centuries. It said the line of the O'Neills will come to an end if the head ever falls from its position on the castle wall. Now, lucky for the O'Neills, the tower containing the head survived when their banshee burned the castle. So, one, one particular source suggests that the origin of the O'Neill banshee lies with the fairies. So one of the early O'Neills was returning from a raid when he found a cow with its horns tangled in a hawthorn tree. Now, single hawthorn trees are sacred to the fairies and the banshee, and they would have regarded this cow as their property. So foolishly, he freed the animal and caused the anger of the fae. When he arrived home, he found that the fairies had taken his daughter to the bottom of the lake. Now, the girl was allowed to return to let her father know that she was safe in the fairy kingdom, but she could only return from then on in order to warn of impending death in the family by keening. This source names her as Kathleen, which is the Anglo-Norman origin and would seem to be much more recent province than the ancient legend but Maeve is a very, very old Irish name found in some of the oldest Irish stories. And it appears this name may have been more associated with the Banshee myth. Now, the ending Een, it's a common uh, ending in Irish. And it's just a little twist on the name that would reinforce the story that the Banshee was also a daughter of the house. So, again, we're, we're touching on this that that a banshee could be a, a past family member that now is, you know, has a different role in the family. Mm-hmm. So the banshee of the O'Neills was also said to be heard in uh, Coil Ulta, which is the Great Wood of Ulster, which was another castle on the shores of Loch Ney. And though Shane O'Neill had marched his army in 1565 on his way to Mac- defeating the McDonald's, uh, at the Battle of Glintasi, which cemented his authority over Ulster, there's still some great wood left in the grounds of Shane Castle, which is supposedly housing the spirit of the Banshee. So, all that history goes into the story of Kathleen, or Maeve, or Maeveen, or even called the White Lady of Sorrow, 
which was the Banshee of the O'Neills, and she remained at, at Shane's castle. And all the legitimate descendants of Shane O'Neill uh, would experience this Banshee. And it's funny that uh, through all this time, all these hundreds of years, the black head of the O'Neills still stands on the tower at Shane's castle. So as the legend goes, Maeveen or Kathleen would continue as long as the black head stood on the castle right. and the O'Neill family lived. It seems that with the head still on the castle, she's still around. Right. So, I mean, that I don't know whether that's lucky or unlucky for them, <laughs> you know. I mean, there's there's not any stories of anything bad being done by the O'Neill Banshee. Right. Just that she would appear and she would keen uh, announcing the death of one of the O'Neill family members. Right. You know, and as long as the head stood, she would continue to do that because it meant that the O'Neill legacy was still there. Right. So once the O'Neills were completely gone, then the head would fall. Or if the head fell first, the O'Neill family would, would fall come to an end. Right. Well, um, I've got a quick little thing on the O'Donnell family, and it kind of touches on a few things that you had um, for the other family. Um, this banshee apparently lived on a rock that was overlooking the sea at the Dunluce Castle. And she didn't cry specifically for one death or one person's um, fall, but for all of the misfortunes that the family had ever or ever will have. So it's kind of, I don't know, it's like just any misfortune that Banshee would be there to wail for. Um, and the O'Brien family, another one of the O families, um, they were frequented by a Banshee that was named Evil, which sounds a little bit like evil yeah. to me. Um, but this Banshee apparently ruled 25 other Banshees and would follow her wherever she went. Um, so this kind of gave rise to the belief that if several banshees were hurt at once, it meant the imminent death of someone very powerful. Um, so apparently it's not just one banshee that can be heard at one time. Yeah, apparently you know, not. There's several of them. All right. So one of the oldest and best known stories of, of the banshee um, is found in the memoirs of Lady Fanshawe. And as the story goes, in 1642, when her husband, Sir Richard, and she chanced to visit a friend who happened to reside in a baronial castle. The regal lady was awoken by a ghastly and piercing cry. And this is a quote. She then beheld in the moonlight a female face and part of her figure hovering at the window. The apparition continued to exhibit itself for some time and then vanished with two shrieks similar to that which she had heard at first. The following morning, she related with terror in her voice, the incident to her host, who remarked, What my dear Lady Fanshawe had witnessed and heard was a banshee, and her wailing forecast of death came true, as a near relation of my family expired last night in the castle. So again, we're, we're talking about, you know, really, really old legends. Right. But they were, they were not legends to the people uh, of Ireland you know, back in the 15 and 1600s. Right. It was, it was truth. Right. You know, um, 
because it seemed to coincide so much with death in the family that they just assumed it was, you know, that's how it happened. It was a part of it. You know, if you heard a, a banshee, somebody was going to die. Yeah. You know, and it, it's kind of carried throughout, you know, even to this day, because um, we've got some stories of more recent banshee encounters. Um, one of them that I found was a personal account from this woman that she said, when I was a little girl, about nine, my father used to frighten me by telling me stories about the Banshee. He had his own personal encounters, which he was telling me about as well. One night he went on to tell me more about the Banshee and I thought that it was fake. I thought wrong because a few nights after those stories, I had forgotten everything and all was well. It was the middle of the night when I was fast asleep in bed when I was awoken by a piercing wail that was extremely loud and sorrowful. It was a cry that I had never heard before. Being brave, I crept over to my window and peered through the curtains. An old woman with pure white hair down to her backside was perched on the swing of our swing set in the back garden. She was running her fingers through her hair as she wailed. I froze in terror. I wanted to look away, yet I was in in too much awe too. I screamed for my mother and father in the room across the hall from me, but I kept my eyes glued to the woman sitting on my swing. My father burst through the door and ran over to me asking why I was up out of bed and looking outside. He spun me around so I was making direct eye contact with him, and he took my hand and walked me to his room. As I walked with him, I looked back and the wailing stopped, and the woman grooming her long hair sitting on the swing had vanished. I started to cry harder due to the fact that I was even more freaked out. I crawled under the sheets of my parents' bed, and my mother and father soothed me. The next morning, my father found out that our neighbor's son had passed away in their house that night. My mother and father heard it as well, but didn't want to tell me what I saw was actually a banshee. And this is a story from, I think it was in the late 90s. Yeah. Is when it was written. Yeah. There is, there are a couple of stories um, from the town of Derry uh, in Ireland. And this is one of those stories. Um, it says, one winter, an elderly resident of the street became suddenly ill and was confined to his bed. A few days later, some black crows landed in the street in front of the house and began to pick up scraps of bread that had been thrown out for scavenging birds. Some visitors to the house immediately rushed out and chased the crows away. Later that night, the old man's condition deteriorated and a priest was summoned to administer the last rites. Sometime after, one of the younger visitors heard a knock on the back door. She asked if anyone else had heard it, but was told no. She heard the knock again, this time followed by a low moaning sound. An old woman sitting opposite noticed her startled expression and instinctively told her to go to the door, exclaiming, He'll have no rest until the knock is answered. So the young girl went to the door and opened it. All at once, she screamed and collapsed in a faint. The people inside came rushing out and found her lying on the ground in an obviously distressed state. They brought her back inside, calmed and comforted her, then asked what happened. 
The girl explained, when I opened the door and looked across the yard, I could see an old hag-like woman with long white hair and a long white dress. She appeared to be crying and moaning and wringing her hands. She began to come towards the door. I screamed and she just vanished. The old man passed away later that night. As far as all the people present on that occasion were concerned, the house had been visited by a banshee. And another similar story from Derry also is speaking about an older gentleman said a grandfather had been suffering painfully from what he thought was a toothache for several days. While discussing this with his wife about visiting a dentist, he happened to mention that he had seen a large white sheet hanging from one of the neighbor's upstairs windows. Um, his wife knew this particular neighbor well and was surprised to hear that she had apparently been drying her washing on the front street. The next day, her son approached her, somewhat agitated, and recounted a strange experience from the previous night. He had heard a peculiar, mournful wail coming from near the bottom of the street. When he looked, he noticed what appeared to be a young child sitting under a windowsill, crying. He walked down to the street, and there, sitting hunched up under the sill, was a small, wrinkled old woman, shriveled and dried with age. She was moaning inconsolably, and he put out his hand to her, but she immediately shied away, stood up, and ran off, and he was startled how small her childlike figure was, contrasting her horrifically grotesque appearance. He was convinced he had seen a banshee and urged his mother to get a doctor to examine his father right away. Unfortunately, his father was beyond medical assistance, and a few nights after the incident, he died. To this day, the family remain adamant that their grandfather saw his own burial shroud, and the banshee encountered his son, uh, foreshadowing the impending death. Hmm. So both of those stories are attributed to the dairy banshee, um, which apparently has been in that area for many, many, many years. Right. And and the stories go on and on, and they were just two of the ones recounting um, interactions with the Dairy Banshee. Right. So that's one that's not really for a specific family. It's for an area. And a location. Right. Right. So if we come up to more modern times, there are still stories that – have been attributed to banshee encounters. Now, this one was um, this one was posted anonymously, but the uh, the author of this story says that uh, it was verified as being true. And he goes on to say, the grandfather of a friend of mine was in the hospital. It was a pretty close family with one son and the grandfather living with them. The friend called me one evening and said he had uh, the crap scared out of him. He explained about his grandfather being in the hospital and not doing well, and that he had heard what he could only describe as wailing coming from the outside kitchen window. I said not to worry about it. It could be a million things like cats or foxes, anything. And he said it actually sounded more human and less animal. And I said, fair enough, but I don't think it's a banshee. About 30 minutes later, he called back to tell me he had just gotten word from the hospital that his grandfather had passed away just about the same time he had heard the crying. Now, the author says, I know he didn't make this up because his grandfather did die. And he called me intentionally beforehand 
when he heard the sound. Mm-hmm. So that's a that's another um, more modern story of hearing the wailing announcing the impending death with you know death coming possibly right around the same time right you know as he heard the cries right i've got a it's kind of a tangential story to the banshee whale but it is a whale that was heard here recently and nobody's actually figured out what the sound was this was this is an article by Brent Swanser, um, and it it took place in 2016. Um, the residents of the town of Forest Grove, in which is located just 25 miles from Portland, Oregon, began reporting a weird anomalous noise that both surprised and frightened them. The sound was usually heard in the evening hours and was variously reported as sounding like a shrill squeal, a flute-like blare, the screeching of car brakes, a steam whistle, a mechanical scream, metal scraping, yada, yada, yada. Um, The anomalous noise purportedly kept people awake at night and drove dogs into frenzied barking. Um, And you can actually go search this squeal on YouTube. People have uploaded videos of this squeal. Nobody really has figured out what it was, but the story was propelled even further into the mainstream consciousness by one of these videos by Paula Lynch, which was released that contained this scream. Um, A Dave Nemier, Nemier, uh, fire marshal of Forest Grove Fire and Rescue investigated, and he said It's definitely a horrendous noise. I have no idea what the noise is. The resident described to us that it was coming from the middle of the street. To me, it sounds like the sound of train tracks, the metal screeching sound, but there are no train tracks near her home, so obviously that's ruled out. It's Um, a ghost train. It could be a ghost train. Banshee train. Um, Several other people began to come forward with their own recordings of the noise um, and... It supposedly lasted for 10 seconds all the way up to several minutes. Um, It was widely thought that the sound perhaps came from some broken pipeline or leak, but when this was checked out, it was found that the sound did not really match this audio signature. Um, The Forest Grove Public Works and Gas Company denied that the sound could be coming from them or a ruptured gas line. And that even if it had, it would have absolutely released a strong odor of gas. The Department of Forestry also said that whatever it was did not originate from them. Additionally, the nearby train tracks are rarely used, and the authorities explained that this could not be the origin of the sound either. Some suggested that pranksters could have been behind it, but there was no evidence of this. Uh, The... Police captain said there would be a city ordinance violation if somebody was creating a noise like this that late at night on purpose to annoy people. At this point, we don't have any information that would lead us to believe that that's the case. It sounds to me like some kind of release valve or some kind of pipe that's under pressure. We've had different suggestions from folks that it's an alien mothership or a warning sign of something to come. All right. Um, it's a bobcat with a loudspeaker. 
Right. <laughs> um, so people did say, you know, it's UFOs, Sasquatch, but a lot of the the thoughts going around was that it was a banshee whale. Yeah. Um, because it would purportedly move. The sound would move from middle of the street up into trees. You could hear it originating from the trees, but never see anything. It would move back down to the ground. It would last anywhere from, like they said, 10 seconds to several minutes. Yeah. Um, and multiple people were hearing this at yeah, the same time. Yeah. Right? This was the, the whole area yeah. were hearing this. And, um, some of the Department of Forestry said they never were out there at the time that it was happening because it was late at night. It would happen middle of the night and wake people up. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, almost as suddenly as it started, the noise stopped and it's never happened again. So there's not been any reports come out that said right after this, you know, so-and-so died or whatever, but it's an anomalous whale that nobody was ever to ever able to pinpoint. Yeah. I'd, I'd like to look into if there was a, a, a tragic event, mm-hmm. maybe not a specific death, but something, you know, unfortunate that befell that town. Right. Um, and, and see if it coincides with around the time that those sounds were heard. But if you would think it was pranksters, you know how hard it would be to routinely make a sound that loud mm-hmm. that multiple people would hear it, yeah. you know, over an area. I mean, that's tough. Oh, yeah. And to do it without anybody finding evidence of a loudspeaker or anything, because it, you know, one of the videos, the people are walking out and it sounds like it's coming from the middle of the road. Yeah. So you would see a loudspeaker there. Right. You know. And, you know, I live about not not even a mile from a fairgrounds that right. they'll do, you know, events there and you can hear it in the distance mm-hmm. and they're not trying to be loud where the whole neighborhood would hear them. You know, they'll do, they'll do horse shows and stuff and you can hear, you can't make out what they're saying, but you can hear it right. off in the distance. So the idea that something was loud enough for it to wake people from sleep, mm-hmm. you know, th- that's pretty loud to cover that much area and for it to be mobile. Right. Yeah. The the mobile part is what really, you know, got me because it could be a number of things. Had it been a stationary sound that never moved and was always in the same spot, it could be a number of things. Yeah. But for it to move from one street up into the trees and then to another street. Yeah. You know, it, it, something's going on. It sounds animal more than it does mechanical. Um, as far as how the, the movement is associated, but what animal would be that loud? Yeah. And it's, that's why I said it's a bobcat with a loudspeaker. Yeah. Well, it (laughs) it would have to be a a bobcat with a, a massive set of lungs to go for that. Right. You You know, for several minutes of a continuous scream. Um, so if any of y'all were up there um, around that time and heard it personally, let us know. That that would be interesting. Yeah. Yeah. This story um, of a banshee encounter comes from West Virginia, which Adam and I were talking about before we started recording. Um, 
man, how many stories are going to come out of West Virginia? Yeah. I mean, it is like, it, it's like the, the magnetic north for some paranormal activity. Yeah, there's some weird <laughs> stuff that happens up there. Yeah, and the, we don't just mean from the people. You know. uh, no, <laughs> it's a, it's bizarre. But uh, this story says that one evening as I was reading, I started to hear a faint wailing noise. I did not pay much attention to it until it got louder. I asked my son if he could hear anything, but he said no. Thinking I had a headache, I took some aspirin, but I could still hear the wailing. The wailing was starting to disturb me, so I went to bed. In the middle of the night, I woke up. The wailing was now so loud that it sounded like someone was screaming in my ear. I looked out the window, and I could see a shadow of a woman screaming. But as I looked closer, the screaming stopped, and the woman vanished. The next morning, I got a call saying my grandmother had passed away. When I asked what time, I was told that she started to fade in the evening and passed away at midnight. So, you know, an, another story that's associated directly with an individual's death. Mm-hmm. Um, this one, this story goes along and it says, this is a story my dad told me of his firsthand experience. Short and sweet. My dad was 18 or 19 at the time with no other friends. They, they drove to a pub in a rural town. One friend was called Bert. And he said, I don't really feel too good tonight. And so my dad said, told, said that Bert decided he's just going to stay in the car. So my dad and his other friend went into the pub. This was around 9 p.m. After getting lashed and lashed. That that's, must be an Irish term for getting drunk. Yeah. <laughs> that's a new one on me. <laughs> I like it, though. I'm about to use it. Um, hey, and, boys, and, did you get lashed last night? <laughs> Yeah, it's pretty good. Thank you. Um, they had forgotten that Bert was still in the car. And so they went out around 11 o'clock to check on him. They looked in and Bert was in the in the middle back seat when he was previously in the front seat, sitting straight up, tears streaming down his face. But he was in like a trance like state. So he says, my dad tried to open the door, but it was locked. And he tried to snap him out of the trance saying, Bert, unlock the door, Bert. Um, he finally opened the doors and he says, did you hear that? And, and my dad said, hear what? So Bert quickly replied, take me home. He wouldn't break his stare out of the windshield. So they drove home without Bert saying a word. My dad asked him what happened, but he wouldn't reply and he didn't want to stress him. So he let it go. So he dropped him at home and Bert left without saying a word. The next day, another friend asked Bert why he was freaked out last night. He said that the black figure of a woman stood in front of the car, came flying up to the windshield face to face with him, giving him a deathly scream with an open mouth so large that it was, you know, inhuman and had an empty blackness and terrifying eyes just staring at him and then flew off. He moved the seats to feel less exposed. Now, that night, Bert's uncle was pronounced dead around 11 p.m. Hmm. And so that's just about the time that that uh, the writer's father, you know, found Bert in the back seat. Right. So, um, you know, really, really unique stories. And, and 
even though they're not, my name is Joe Smith, and this is my story of the Banshee, these stories have a very common tone, and they're believable in that there's they're not very fantastic outside of the story of seeing or hearing the Banshee. Right, right. It's every other day, and then a Banshee, and then a death. A death, right. right. And even though maybe the, the descriptions are slightly different, they they all are of of a female, you know, older, mm-hmm. you know, really grisly and terrifying looking with long hair, um, you know, and, and the wail. Right. The, the scream, the cry, uh, you know, it, it, it's it's the commonality that that makes these stories relate to the Banshee legend. Mm hmm. Um, but there's just so many of them that they're hard to discount. Right. I mean, you know, and these are stories that are more current. These are not, you know, Irish stories from the 1600s. Right. Not 1807 or, you know. Right. And and not that not that we would necessarily discount those stories. Um, but modern modern stories and encounters, especially with something like this that has such an ancient history that, you know, was founded in, in folklore and legend. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it really gives some, some credence to those old legends. Right. And a lot of legends came to North America from Europe because of, you know, immigration. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they brought their stories with them. And the Banshee is probably one of the most common. In fact, in one of our urban legend uh, episodes, we uh, we spoke about the, the White Howler in White Bluff, Tennessee. Right. And that was an area that had a lot of Irish settlers. And so it was believed that instead of being, you know, a some type of, of woodland cryptid, Mm-hmm. that it was more along the lines of a banshee. Right. Especially with the original legend saying that they heard the screaming for night after night after night, and when the father left to go investigate, it was finally too much. When he came back, his family was dead. Mm-hmm. So um, so it depends on how you look at it. You know, is it a banshee, um, you know, warning the cry of death, or was it a creature wailing, you know, that was going to actually, you know, commit the murder right you, you don't know but because that that area of tennessee had so many irish settlers that it's it's associated with the banshee legend because mm-hmm. those stories came from ireland right hey everybody i'm adam and i'm matt and we are graveyard tales i'm jerry and i'm tracy from hillbilly horror stories we want to invite you out to see us hillbilly horror stories EVP Mediums, and Macabre Melts at our live event in Nashville on October 20th. This paranormal event is at the perfect location, Hell Dark Aesthetics, better known as... Hell Nashville. Where you can buy books on witchcraft, Aleister Crowley, or maybe you just want to buy an animal skull or a bundle of sades, maybe some tarot cards, or a Ouija board. Showtime is 7 p.m. till 11 p.m. All ages are welcome, and tickets are only $10. Now, you can get full access to all of us for just $10. Every ticket is a VIP ticket. 
and EVP Mediums will be performing a spirit box session. Get your tickets from hillbillyhorrorstories.com or graveyardpodcast.com. So that uh, that wraps up the, our, our uh, discussion on the Banshee. Um, a little bit different than some. Um, we've, we've talked some about creatures that are from folklore and myth and legend. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is probably one of the most most well known, right? Uh, especially if if you uh, have Irish or Scottish heritage, right? You know, like I said at the beginning, you've you've grown up with these kind of stories. Mm-hmm. So, uh, like if, me and the chupacabra. <laughs> hey, exactly right. I you mean, know. it's you know they're regional stories, but you know the idea and the legend of the banshee has has spread across the world. In mm-hmm. fact, you know, I even found stories that. Uh, we're from Australia. Right. You know, so again, it's it's tough to say, you know, yeah, I believe in the Banshee. You know, I've I've never experienced anything quite like this. Mm-hmm. Um, I've never known anybody to experience anything quite like this. But there's obviously a lot of stories and people who have. And I'm sure if you talk to these people directly, they even if they don't believe, they believe there was a connection between whatever they saw or heard and the death of their family member. Right. You know, as far as it was a, a warning or not necessarily a warning, because with a warning, you think you could do something about it. Mm-hmm. It was just a foretelling. Yeah. You know, right. just this is this is what's happening. And here I am to to, you know, let out the mourning wail for this, you know, passing individual. Mm-hmm. So. Really, really interesting. Like I said, there's a lot of history um, on the Banshee, a lot of Irish history. Um, so, you know, Adam and I, we we scratched a little deeper than the surface, but there's still a lot more. So if, if you know, Banshees are something that interests you, you know, go out and do some research on your own. Uh, but if you've had a an encounter, if you've had a family member that's had an encounter similar to this, we'd love to hear about it. Mm-hmm. So please. Um, you know, send those in, um, you know, you can email them to us. You can direct, uh, Facebook message them to us. We've, we've gotten stories all kinds of ways. Mm-hmm. You can share them in our Facebook group. Um, just go on Facebook and search graveyard tales and, uh, you can, you can get in our group, which is, which is great. I mean, we've got a, we've got so many great folks in here that, uh, that share some incredible stories and joke around and kid around. Um, but make sure you go and check out our website at graveyardpodcast.com. We've got some new things that are going to be showing up on uh, on the website over the next few weeks. So be sure and go check us out. You know, Also, you can listen to the show. Uh, you can follow links that will take you to purchase Graveyard Tales merchandise. And you can become a patron. And as we mentioned at the, at the beginning of the show, uh, we uh, we had teased about some more pay, uh, Patreon content coming up. We're delivering on that promise this month. So if you've been on the fence and you've been thinking about uh, becoming a patron, go ahead and do it because I think you're going to enjoy the stuff that we've got coming out for this right. month. You know, a lot of just Adam and I bantering back and forth and throwing stuff against the wall to see what sticks, but. Some of it is really, really interesting, and I think you'll enjoy it. Um, don't forget, our live event is October 20th at Hale Dark Aesthetics in Nashville. Um, tickets are $10. I think it's going to be a great time. 
Uh, we've got a lot planned for that evening. And like I said uh, before, October is a great time to visit Nashville. There's a lot of stuff going on. There's a lot of stuff to do. The weather is still warm here. So uh, I think you'll enjoy it if you're coming from out of town. If you're in Nashville, you got no excuse. Come on right. out. Come on out and meet us. Meet Hillbilly Horror Stories, EVP Mediums, and, and Macabre Melts. Um, and as always, we asked, please go and rate and review us on iTunes. It gets us up the chart, and it makes Graveyard Tales easier to find. So thank you, for, thank you so much for listening tonight. And until next time, we'll save you a seat in the graveyard. See you soon. Mm-hmm.